One of my favorite pastimes is reading. And during the height of the lockdown, when I was quite busy, there were a lot of books I had to stop reading because I wasn't able to find the time. But over the last couple of weeks, I've been able to pick up some books which I got for Christmas, and I've been loving them. Some of them are about great explorers from the past. And there are two men in particular that have really struck me over the last couple of weeks as I've been reading. They're George Mallory and Ed Hillary, two men who climbed to the top of Mount Everest, but yet two very different men. George Mallory was all about getting to the top. He was all about the finish. He was all about the destination. But Ed Hillary, he was someone who put the start as being more important than the finish or the destination. He talked so much about planning, about preparation, but the most important thing he talked about was communicating what the journey would be like and why he wanted to get to the summit. And so these two men have got me thinking about the difference between the finish and the start. And I've been reflecting a lot on this word start as we start to reopen the church, as we start to come together again, as we start to go out to restaurants, start to see, can we go on holidays? But I've also been reflecting on the start of the early church. We're in the season in the life of the lectionary that looks at the beginning of the church. A couple of weeks ago was Pentecost and last week Trinity Sunday. And we're in that season when we reflect on the early church and how they started and the impact of the start. And as I've been reflecting on that, I've been reading a few other books. One of them is N.T. Wright's book about the early letters of the Christian church, the pastoral epistles. And he said this quote about the start of the early church. On the very first occasion in the story about the birth and the start of the church nearly 2,000 years ago, when Peter stood up in public to tell people about Jesus, he made it very clear this was a message for everyone. The great wind of God's Spirit had swept through the followers of Jesus and filled them with a new joy and sense of God's presence and power in the midst of great change. It was a new age, a new start, in which the living God was going to do something new in the world. And Peter said something in the start of the church on that Pentecost Sunday, which was very significant. He said in Acts 2.39, this promise is for you and for your children to come, that's us today, and for everyone who is far away from God. So the start for Peter was very important. Communicating the message of Jesus was for everyone. And the amazing thing is, in a short time, this promise of new life, this promise of blessing, which came to fore in the ministry of Jesus, it spread throughout the early church like wildfire. It spread throughout the known world very quickly, and new churches began to crop up all over the place. Churches in Corinth, in Thessalonica, in Galatia, in Ephesus. And the early church leaders who helped to start these churches, 
from the very start, they felt it was important to write letters of encouragement and advice. These letters are called pastoral epistles, and they were widely circulated and eagerly read. They were never intended simply for religious or intellectuals alone. From the very beginning and from the start, the message was that Jesus Christ had died for everyone. So today, we are also starting something new. We are starting a new sermon series, and we're going to be looking at one of these letters, which is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the Philippian church. Such an important letter, you know. A letter that gives a powerful message of discipleship and learning, which is just as relevant and significant today in our times as it was back then to Philippi more than 2,000 years ago. And a really important aspect of this letter and why we feel it's important to teach on at the moment is that Paul writes this letter from prison in Rome. He was separated by seven and a half thousand kilometers from the church. He was teaching from a distance. He was separated. And so our new sermon series is called Discipleship from a Distance. We're not yet able to come together in this physical space. We're not yet able to be here in person, but we are online. And discipleship must continue, growth must continue. And so even from a distance, we want to grow in how we follow Jesus. And at the same time that we are in this separation, we want to be very intentional about how we are growing. Share the message with you that we are still learning, we are still pressing in, and we are still excited for the start of this next season and this next sermon series. So why was Philippi important? Why are we picking this letter? Firstly, Philippi was an incredible city. It was a place of amazing wealth. It was founded by Philip, the father of Alexander the Great, hence its name. It was known as the intersection of Europe and Asia, a real crossover of culture. It was a famous Roman settlement where veterans, known as the Imperial Guard, which we heard in our reading, they were sent there with rewards of land to start new Roman colonies. But secondly, and most importantly, Paul was there himself in Philippi 20 years after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. It was on his second missionary journey. After Paul became a Christian, he spent years learning and then traveling around the ancient world sharing the message of Jesus. He made a few of these trips and this was his second one, when he found himself in Philippi. And we hear in Acts chapter 16, the story of when Paul first went to Philippi. We hear how three people were converted when they heard the gospel message of Jesus. Very diverse people. We hear the story of Lydia, a wealthy Asian lady. We hear the story of a slave girl who was a Greek, and we hear the story of a Roman jailer, all converted to the message of Jesus, diverse people becoming together as one. And so the letter of Philippi is a really important one for us today. 
But the reasons why Paul wrote the letter weren't just because he was there and not just because it was an important city. There was also key things he wanted to share. This is a letter of thankfulness. It's a very intimate letter. Paul starts off with the words which I started the service with today, grace and peace. The idea of grace, or the Greek word charis, was something that was known to the Greek world. The word peace was known to the Hebrew word, the Hebrew world, which was about shalom. And so he was bringing together in a very intimate way the Greeks and also the Hebrews, wanting them to be together. It was also a letter of encouragement and a letter of friendship in this very intimate fashion. He names people in the letter. And it was a letter of unity following persecution because the church in Philippi had undergone persecution. And it was a letter about partnership, not isolation, but partnering together. And this is what we heard when Ross read from Philippians chapter 1, 1 to 14. This opening section in this fantastic letter is about a vital word in understanding Christian discipleship. It's the word koinonia. Have you heard it? Do you know what it means? It doesn't appear in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, but it's found 43 times in the New Testament. Koinonia is how the early church described themselves and how they thought the church should be. Koinonia describes the church as a partnership, as a healthy family, a genuine Christian community which is open to all, heartfelt, and in a covenantal relationship with each other. It's not talking about a casual, contrived sense of community or a loose affiliation. Koinonia is about something which touches our hearts and our lives, where we're woven together to see the kingdom advance. And it's in this context that God grew the early church. It was in this context that the church started in seeing itself and in how the good work of discipleship is brought to completion. Koinonia is translated in the letter of the Philippians as the word sharing or partnership and how the church should be seen as we partner together. And we see this partnership working itself out in three really important ways. In verses 5 and 8, Paul encouraged them to be partners in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus. Not working alone or in isolation, but seeing themselves as a koinonia in partnership. And that had two components. The first component was being willing and able to share one's faith in a respectful way. To defend the faith, but not in a hostile way. To stand up for it with courage and with boldness. And secondly, he uses the word confirmation to confirm the faith within the body. To support each other in the gospel, in the good news. So to share in the gospel. Secondly, is to be partners in God's grace. Verse 7. This idea, Paul was reminding them that the whole good news message of Jesus is about grace. All of us have fallen short. All of us are in need of grace. And so reminding each other of that, reminding them that it's grace that should overflow, he talks about, is what brings the world into that place of relationship with God. So partners in the gospel, partners in God's grace. And then thirdly, verse 8, 
being partners in suffering or imprisonment, as Paul talks about. Paul was writing from prison, as I said. He was separated. He was isolated. The Philippian church were under persecution, and they were also suffering. And Paul said, let's partner together in our suffering and our struggle, not alone, not feeling that we are distant, but actually together. So partnership is so important in what Paul is saying in the letter to the Philippians in chapter 1. And I love this quote from J.B. Lightfoot. What a brilliant name. He was an Anglican bishop in the end of the 19th century, and he talks about koinonia as this, as, as being partnership. He says, the believer has no yearnings apart from the Lord. Their pulse beats with the pulse of Christ. Their heart throbs with the heart of Christ. When we are really one and in partnership with each other and with Jesus, his love goes out to everyone. We are called to partnership, and this is central to what it means to be the church. What an amazing quote from someone more than a thousand years after the church in Philippi. We are called to partnership together. And you know something really amazing happened took, and took place after they partnered together in Philippi and in all the early churches, even when things are tough. We see Paul closing with this. He closes the opening section of Philippians by saying what happened to him while being separated, while being in prison, while being apart. What actually happened was the gospel spread. As Paul was in prison, many thought that this would be the end of the Christian movement. This is why the Romans ultimately killed Paul. However, it only increased. It only spread. New things happened. The church began to reorientate itself in fresh ways, and they partnered with each other. In many areas, we see the same happen for us in the middle of this pandemic. Paul's imprisonment was a great reset for the church. And you know what? I think this global pandemic is doing the same in some ways for us today. Don't get me wrong. I know it's been hard. I know it's been difficult. I'm not belittling it. However, we now have great opportunities to rethink, to reimagine, to recreate what it means to be the church. Will we take these? To partner together in the gospel and in God's grace and in Christ himself, even in our struggles and current separation. Paul saw this as an opportunity and encouraged them to deeply partner with each other in this koinonia. And he assured them, and he said, that God would bring the good work to completion that he had begun. And I believe the same is true for the church today, for you watching, for us in Holy Trinity, that he will bring it to completion. And even though separated, we can grow in our discipleship from a distance and partner together in what God has for us. To be confident, as Paul says, and dare to speak the word of God's love, and even be bold in that, and as we sung earlier on, even without fear, together as partners in Christ in loving and serving the world. Amen.